Today's Spotlight is brought to you in part by presenting sponsor, Busey Bank. Busey, your dream, our promise. Welcome to Spotlight. I'm your host, Jane Wynette, and today I'm joined by three local nonprofits, United Chinese Americans, Naperville Little League Baseball, and Sharing Connections. You're watching Spotlight, and joining me now from the United Chinese Americans is their board chair, Lily Chen. Welcome to the show, Lily. Thank you so much for inviting me. So excited to be here. Yeah, we're glad to have you with us. And we're going to start out by asking you to give us a little bit of background on the United Chinese American organization and who they are and what they do. Sure. Uh, United Chinese American UCA is a national coalition of Chinese American individuals, uh, organizations, and their friends. And it is dedicated to civic engagement, youth development, and heritage sharing. So there are 10 chapters and 40 community partners in 32 states in the United States. And UCA Illinois is the first chapter, I like to say, um, the most uh, proud member of UCA. That's wonderful, that's wonderful. And, and so three very good things that you're working toward. So let's just start out with, I know 2020 was a struggle for all of us. And I know that uh, UCA did a lot of work uh, to try to support in the pandemic. Talk a little bit about some of your efforts, Lily. Sure. Um, we are extremely proud of our community and volunteers. Um, they took um, the matters in their own hands to make changes to help the pandemic. We organized multiple PPE donation drives in the Chicago area. Um, one of the drives is very close to home, and we donated thousands of masks and gloves and goggles and gowns to Bolingbrook Christian Clinic. Uh, it is a primary volunteer-run clinic and serving the underserved community in the area. And the director was so moved, Sue, um, I used to volunteer there um, years ago. Sue was so moved by the donation. She literally said, without this uh, massive amount of donations, we will not have been able to provide a service to the needy. And that's all because of the leadership of our UCA Illinois board member, Ren Lee, and her organization and parents who donated over a uh, total amount of 231,000 US dollars worth of the PPE to the Chicagoland community. And that's one thing. And then the second thing we did is to be part of the National Food of the Love campaign. Uh, the logo is Combat Hate with Love and One People United. UC Illinois uh, partnering with Pacific Square and Aurora, and we brought hot meals to the Aurora fire station and police station because we wanted to thank them during this very difficult time and for the service provided for the community. So this is just some of the, um, and then also we uh, donated the food to a nursing home um, in uh, Chicago. 
Nice. I mean, obviously, uh, it's so important. I think you, you've you just sharing that uh, not only the important PPE equipment, but it's the appreciation yeah. and the, the, the emotional support, right? Uh, very difficult for everybody kind of working in that environment, trying to support people. So that emotional support is so important. Absolutely. You know, as I, um, as you know, I'm a nurse and the nurses of first response is a little risk their life um, serving the community. So we really, really uh, want to show them how much we appreciate them and also thank them for their services. Yeah. That's the least we can do. Right. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to read this. It's the Robert, to make sure I get it right. It's the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation Clinical Scholar Program. Uh, tell me a little bit about the UCA and what your connection is to that program, Lily. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, it is a Robert Wood Johnson Clinical Scholar Leadership Development. You said it perfectly. <laughs> um, UCA applied for this three-year grant um, to for the leadership development and also to promote youth mental health. Um, so the team, our clinical scholar team, what we call the fellows, are four of us. They are all licensed health professionals. Myself as a nurse, we have two psychiatrists and from Massachusetts General Hospital and also one psychologist from University of Notre Dame. And four of us, along with the UCA volunteer members, have been conducting educational webinars uh, since 1916, uh, 2016, 2016, that's right, <laughs> 2016, um, uh, like over a dozen uh, conferences and webinars and and, and some of them uh, conducted in Chicago. So uh, basically, yeah, UC is the African organization. We're extremely uh, honored and um, just feel very fortunate to be able to support it by such a, the largest health philanthropy in the country. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Lily, it sounds like it's a very grassroots, so you're training out into the community so people can not only understand and identify mental health issues, some, some basic how to, you know, kind of take care a little bit, and then if you need to, how, where do you go? What, what are the other resources, how you reference up, right? That's right. That's right. So, uh, one of the key uh, deliverables or the functions of these uh, Rappel Johnson Fund Clinical Scholar Program is to educate the community about mental health. You know, so um, in that, so we hope to increase the literacy level, health literacy or mental health literacy level, decrease the stigma through educating the parents and community members. Uh, and um, simultaneously, along with the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation uh, program, we also uh, have mental health first aid training, and that's addressed the same issue. Okay, and that's something that you're rolling out in 20, well, this year, 2021, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. How, how involved or how many people do you sort of have on the ground uh, on that initiative, Lily? Oh, yeah, I'm so glad you asked this, Jane. Um, three of us um, just this uh, month and last month, we have been trained as a mental health uh, first aid instructors through the National Council of Behavioral Health. So they are the accrediting body, so to speak. Um, this is the best practice model um, is to train the lay people to be able to 
uh, increase their mental health knowledge and identify the crisis situation and also learn the skills how to respond like parents, you know, lay people like parents, and then also referral, refer them to professional health providers healthcare providers. And um, that uh, we are hoping, actually, we um, separately apply for a different grant just recently. Uh, if we, with an additional grant, we hope that actually on the national level, we can train um, 1285 people and 12 additional instructors. And again, UC Illinois will be able to train about 60 people um, with or without the grant. We're hoping to do that. Yeah, that's wonderful. And I think, you know, when you talk about it, it's within your community, you're building out those mechanisms of support, uh, breaking down that stigma of mental health, all very, very important. And I think having gone through this pandemic, I think there's more listening to that because I think more people have felt so many more emotional and mental issues through this pandemic that I think I think we're on the right course for being able to appreciate uh, and talk about it more. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You are so right. Um, Actually, mental health has, has skyrocketed uh, because of the pandemic, especially the youth suicide rate has been increasing alarmingly. Um, so that's one of the reasons that you're right that people um, in society and um, different organizations and government body has started to pay more attention to it. Yeah, well, that's wonderful. Well, Lily, thank you so much for coming by. We wish the UCA all the best in 2021. Well, thank you so much for inviting me again, Jane. It's always a pleasure talking with you. And yes. thanks for the wonderful work you're doing. Thank you. We appreciate it, Lily. And if you're interested in learning more about the United Chinese Americans, please go and visit their website. We're going to take a quick break, but stay tuned. We're coming right back with more Spotlight. For more than 150 years, you've believed in Busey. Today, more than ever, we believe in you. To our healthcare workers, first responders, and local businesses, you're central to the communities we're proud to call home. Busey's grateful to partner with you and your families through life's ups and downs, today and for generations to come. Because as neighbors helping neighbors, we're in this together. Busey, grateful to serve the communities we call home. Want to get more eyes on your business while supporting Naperville's nonprofit TV station? Advertise on NCTV17.com, which draws tens of thousands of viewers each week for the latest in local news, sports, and events. Or put an ad in NCTV17 News Update, an email sent to thousands of subscribers every Monday through Friday. Visit NCTV17.com slash advertising for details. If you're just tuning in, you're watching Spotlight. I'm your host, Jane Wernette, and joining me now is Mike Llewellyn. He's the president of our Naperville Little League Baseball. Welcome to the show, Mike. Thanks, Jane. Thanks. Good to be back. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm excited. It's always exciting to start talking about baseball because we can maybe think that there won't be quite so much snow and we'll be out, uh, outside enjoying some nice weather, right? That's right. Something to look forward to. Absolutely. So let's start right off. Uh, tell us a little bit about Naperville Little League Baseball. So Naperville Little League has been around since 1952. Uh, we're the largest Little League in the state of Illinois. And 
Uh, we are part of Little League International, which is the kids you see in August playing in Williamsport uh, majority of the years. Uh, so we offer baseball for boys and girls from first grade through eighth grade uh, with a wide variety of uh, skill levels. Okay, terrific. Now, you know, in 2020, when so much of sports was shut down, you were able to safely play. Uh, you were one of the few sports that was able to safely play. So tell us how you were able to do that, Mike, and kind of what your program looked like last year. Yeah, so uh, there was obviously a curveball we weren't expecting. Um, myself, along with my board of directors that did a ton of work, uh, learned more about COVID and, and guidelines than we probably ever needed to know. Uh, but we got a lot of great input from the state, from Little League International and Williamsport, uh, from the local park district and even the local hospital. Uh, we put together some guidelines to help us safely play. Um, our season started uh, probably, I think it was in end of June, which is usually when it's ending. And we played through the summer uh, instead of the spring. So uh, it was a great, um, great for all the kids to get out a little bit of normalcy. Uh, you know, we followed the guidelines. We, the, we had about 80% of our registered uh, players at the beginning of the year uh, stay with us and play. Uh, those that didn't feel comfortable playing didn't play with us. But I think in the end, 80% of the people staying was a pretty good sign that the people liked it and, and we did the right thing. Oh, that's good. That's terrific. I know we were out there a couple of times with uh, with some of the teams, and, and certainly the coaches and the kids were really excited to be back playing ball, so that was terrific. Now, as you look to 2021, tell us a little bit about some of the programs that you offer, and because I know you've got a, a new program, right? A new junior player program. We do have a, a new junior program. So uh, out of last year, we, uh, we played our fall ball season, and uh, we were really the only sport playing. So we extended our fall ball to our 13 year olds, which usually once you hit 13 or too old for Little League, we had a great response from our families that loved it. And we kind of thought to ourselves, well, gee, what, why don't we keep doing this? So this year we're gonna have a junior league, which is includes seventh and eighth graders, uh, which are normally too old for our program, but now we've extended it. So players can play from us uh, from first grade all the way up until high school. So oh, we're very nice. excited about the junior league. Yeah, yeah that's terrific. Uh, now, what are the other programs, uh, Mike? Tell us a little bit about those. So the other programs, uh, our, our entry level is our rookie league uh, for our seven and eight year olds, first and second graders. Um, the, the first graders play a machine pitch and then uh, the second graders give it half year machine pitch and then the second half we let the kids start throwing the ball. Uh, so that's always fun. <laughs> Duck. Uh, yes, yes. After, after the rookie league, we move up to what we call our Supreme. And at Supreme, we have Supreme A and Supreme Double A. Uh, Supreme double A's are drafted, and uh, th there's a tryout for that. A little bit more skill level, the kids that like to play baseball a little bit more, go for that. Uh, the kids that like to play more in-house or just with their friends playing our A-League. Um, and after Supreme, we have uh, what we call Majors A and Majors Double A. Same, same setup is uh, the A-League is our non-drafted, Double A is our drafted where there's a tryout. And then, uh, like I said earlier, now we have the Junior League for our seventh and eighth graders that's uh, one league. Everybody plays the same, but uh, there's a little bit different rules, a little bit more real baseball than, than some of the younger kids. Okay. And, uh, you know, obviously you, you learned some things last year about the program because you had to pivot, you had to change. So what are some of the changes that are coming to Little League Baseball this year? Um, so one of the biggest changes is we're going to start the season a little bit later. Um, we started later last year, and, and we found out that people like to play baseball in the warm weather. Uh, we traditionally had started earlier in April, 
Um, and, and there's some 40 degree games and 40 degree <laughs> baseball is never fun. So uh, we're pushing the pushing the start date back a little bit. Maybe not as many conflicts with other sports that the kids are playing. And we're going to play the season um, actually past the 4th of July and end the season uh, sometime in the middle of July. Okay. Well, I think that sounds great. And I think I'm, all, I'm always for baseball in the good weather. That always sounds good to me. So, um, you know, Mike, you've been at this a long time. You've worked with lots of kids and coaches and players. You know, what makes Naperville Little League Baseball special? Why, why should parents sign their kids up for this? Um, we're a community baseball program. Uh, it's, it's all about playing baseball with your friends. Um, that's, that's the best part of our program, hands down. Um, and then the kids look forward to it. Even if your best friend's not on the same team with you, they may be on the opposing team. And uh, you get to share those stories of uh, you struck out your buddy or he had home run off of you. Um, and the involvement of the community. Our local sponsors are great. Uh, lots of local businesses sponsor us and have been for years. Um, and, and our involvement with the White Sox is a lot of fun for the kids, too. Yeah, talk a little bit just about that, because I think that's one of the coolest parts where, you know, so much with your uniforms uh, are coming out of the White Sox. I mean, the kids love that. Yeah, so the White Sox are our uniform sponsor. They provide all the uniforms for the league, which is their, which helps our league provide other things to the kids instead of spending our money on the, the uniforms. Uh, the White Sox also provide training um, for the for the kids. Uh, we're going to have a few camps um, for the kids to sign up for with the White Sox trainers at our parks this summer, which is included in the registration fees. Gets a little, gives the kids a chance to get out, kind of knock the dust off and, and get ready for the season with some professional coaching. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Now, Mike, how do kids, uh, well, kids aren't going to sign themselves up, but how do their parents get them signed up for Little League Baseball? What's the, what's the uh, way to do that? Yeah, so our website is uh, the place to sign up. Uh, registration is open now and will stay open through the end of March. Um, and uh, we're hoping to have a, a great uh, registration this year and even more than we had last year. Yeah, and if people have questions, I know your your website is very robust, right? Uh, you've got a lot of information up there. It is. There, there's just about anything uh, you can need to know about us on the website. And uh, our operations manager, Lisa O'Rear, does a great job in fielding phone calls and answering questions. Terrific. And do you want to, um, you know, any, anything else that you want to tell us? Because I, I do think you have a little bit of exciting news about where the end of the season is going to go. Do you want to share that with us? I do, yes. So um, normally, uh, the end of the season, we have uh, NCTV broadcast our drafted games. This year, uh, we've teamed with the great folks at NCTV to have a championship day where they're going to be a part of every game from the non-drafted to the drafted, the, the rookies to the juniors, provide highlights, provide interviews with the players, uh, kind of a ESPN of Naperville, if you will. So we're super excited about that and thank NCTV so much for their partnership there. Yeah, we're super excited to come with. And I think it's just so nice what you're doing for the kids, that whole feeling of a championship day. I mean, that that you know, those are memories that they'll take with them. You know, I know you're pro creating a really big ambiance with that and, and everybody playing at the same time on, on the same day at the same place. That's awesome. Uh, we look forward to being with you on that date. Yeah, we hope it turns out to be a special event. I think it'll be a lot of fun. I think so, too. Mike, thanks so much for stopping by. We really appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Jane. Absolutely. And if you would like to find out more about registering your child for Naperville Little League Baseball, please go and visit their website. We're going to be right back after a few short messages. Don't go away.
For more than 150 years, you've believed in Busey. Today, more than ever, we believe in you. To our healthcare workers, first responders, and local businesses, you're central to the communities we're proud to call home. Busey's grateful to partner with you and your families through life's ups and downs, today and for generations to come. Because as neighbors helping neighbors, we're in this together. Busey, grateful to serve the communities we call home. Welcome back to Spotlight. And joining me now from Sharing Connections is Beth Carey. She's the Director of Development. Welcome to the show, Beth. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Really glad to have you. And I love that you're sitting right there in your location. Got the couch, got the mattresses. So we're going to talk all about that. We'll start right off, though. Give us the background on Sharing Connections. How did it come to be? Absolutely. So Sharing Connections story is one um, that really touches my heart. Um, we started almost 35 years ago where Leanne McGrath, a resident in Lyle, Illinois, um, was kind of disheartened by the news, very similar to the news cycle we have now, actually. Um, and she wanted to do one thing to make a difference. And she quickly learned that there was a single mother who was struggling to take care of her baby. So she went to her neighbors, her friends, anyone who would really listen to her and asked if they had anything um, that they um, weren't using for children that she could give to this woman. Um, and from there it's grown, it took over her garage, it took over our house, and now it's in the over 10,000 square foot warehouse we are today. Yeah, that's wonderful. Now you just touched on something you said very dear to your heart, why? Um, well, I grew up a Girl Scout, so I always believe that um, one person can make a difference. And that's truly the sharing connection story. One person doing one act of kindness that can really make a difference for the entire world. We're touching so many lives here. Okay. Well, and like, let's follow on from that because, you know, you have lots of stories I know. But tell us one of either a family or a person where sharing connections really empowered them. Absolutely. Um, actually, uh, about a year ago, a woman came to us um, and her children had been taken away due to abuse in the home. But once she got into the home, she quickly realized that um, living in poverty, it's really hard to pay for beds for six children, um, let alone have a table to do homework with them at, a couch to sit at, and all those kind of basic things um, to restart her life. Um, so when she got an appointment with us, we got to fill her truck with all those basic items, the dishes, the spoons, the uh, all the mattresses and everything, just uh, so she could have a loving home with her kids again. And we were able to do it last year, all uh, right before Mother's Day. So that was kind of her Mother's Day gift from us. And I know that's right around the corner. <laughs> yeah, that's a wonderful story. And I think so often, you know, we we take we take for granted, right, that table, the being able to sit around the table, do homework, break bread, whatever it might be, right? Yep. 
And it's those simple things, I think, especially with the pandemic, we're kind of getting back into sitting around the table, uh, doing those game nights and reconnecting with our families. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you work with a lot of like-minded other organizations. So talk a little bit about how you partner. Absolutely. So um, our partnership, uh, like I mentioned with um, our client, um, are from folks that are in the social service industry. So they might be at shelters, they might be um, in schools, they might be in church areas, anyone who might um, be able to uh, work with folks that might be struggling with poverty and learn that they have children on the floor um, are missing kind of those basic items. So, um, and that kind of works both ways too. We, last year we launched um, in-house case management um, our program director has worked in social services for many, many years, so she's been able to help those folks that don't aren't working with those agencies yet. They can come to us, get all the items they need, and then we help refer them to the folks that the other parts of the things they might need, like food or um, assistance for their children. Yeah, I think that's really wonderful. I mean, it really does take a village, and I think those networks of services, right, it really makes a big difference. And, you know, you're sitting, Beth, in your warehouse. I mean, just give our viewers a little bit of a sense as somebody comes in, and I know you work with them. I mean, you it's not like it's just a free-for-all. You really work with them to help pick out the items, right? We do. Um, with the pandemic, we had to do a little contactless, but we definitely still have conversations with our folks and we get um, we look for their personality, try and find a couch that kind of their, uh, matches their personality, their colors, um, kind of their lifestyle. Um, we had one client that had a teenage son who really, really wanted a chair of his own and we happened to get a gaming chair in. So he was so excited to get something so simple, his own chair for gaming. So it's kind of fun to see all the items and match them with the people um, based on what they're looking for and give them a little more excitement in, in their home. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, um, you've also, you do work with social workers and nurses. Uh, talk a little bit about that and how that's working uh, within the organization and what, what, what you're hoping that will accomplish. Sure. Um, well, at Cherokee Connections, we do believe one person can make a difference, but we can't do it alone. We need our community to help us lift up all the folks that are struggling. So our nurses, our social service agents, um, our agents at churches and schools are kind of our eyes and ears. Um, they partner with us, they give us the information, and they kind of help the folks come to us and say, hey, you know, I really need these items. I, you know, I've been sleeping on the floor, a mattress that's, you know, 15, 20 years old and torn. Um, and we, we find those folks um, all the things they need. Um, but we need those eyes and ears in the community to help them uh, you know, get the, because it's very hard to ask for help sometimes. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and sometimes people don't know where to turn, right? They don't know, maybe they're a little shy to ask for help or they just haven't heard about it, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Where do you see Sharing Connections being in five years? I mean, this has obviously been a big struggle for everybody, right? You know, you talked about, uh, you know, people not being able to come into the warehouse in the same way. I'm sure a lot of things have been impacted in terms of drop-off as well. Where do you see yourself kind of today and five years from now? Well, one thing that Sharing Connections is known for is adapting to the needs of our community. Um, like with the pandemic, we since we are essential, we are able to stay open the whole time because we know our services are needed even more now that our homes are our theaters and our uh, offices and everything. Um, but in a, you know, the one thing that we struggle with is we have an aging um, truck to pick up uh, furniture in the community. So um, we're definitely looking, hopefully in the next five years, to replace that box truck. 
um, to enhance our pickup locations because we know there's so many wonderful people who want to donate. And um, because our truck crew is volunteer run, we have very limited resources to go out and get those items. Um, so we, we really appreciate people dropping them off or having their moving truck stop here um, on their way to the new home. Um, but we do want to go out to the other communities and, and uh, pick up those items as well. And we'd love to hire a full-time uh, truck driver if that was ever in our funding. Okay. So, I mean, it really is. So, just for clarification, you, you can drop off at Sharing Connections, right? So, like you said, if I was moving and I could just have a little stop by, drop a few things off before I go wherever I'm going. But, obviously, being able to do it yourself where you know you've got to send that truck out, both driver and truck would be nice. Yeah. Beth, thank you so much for coming by. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having us. You're welcome. And if you would like to learn more about Sharing Connections, please go and visit their website. We're going to take a quick break, but stay tuned. We're coming right back with more Spotlight. I'd like to thank all of my guests for joining us on Spotlight and our friends at Busey Bank for their generous sponsorship of today's show. If you would like to learn more about the organizations featured on this episode, please go and visit our website at nctv17.com. And to stay informed about what's happening in our community, sign up to receive our daily news update and like and follow us on Facebook. For Spotlight, I'm Jane Wynette. Thank you for watching. Today's Spotlight is brought to you in part by presenting sponsor, Busey Bank. Busey, your dream, our promise.